You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Hey, everybody. I'm back, and um, we're continuing our series uh, on what God requires. Two weeks ago, we talked about the concept of act to act justly. Last week, Brian did a lesson on to love mercy. And this week, we're doing a lesson on walk humbly with God. Because it's a team-led service, I'm going to share a few scriptures and some thoughts about what walking humbly with God means to me. And then we're going to bring in some teens, and they're going to share from their perspectives as well. So um, we're going to go ahead and read Micah 6, uh, like we've been reading the last couple weeks. But this time, we're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to read verses 6 through 8. Uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 6 reads, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? In verse 8, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So I thought in order for us to really understand walking humbly with God, that we should break it down into two parts. Uh, The first part is talking about what it means to be humble. um, And the second part is actually talking about what it means to walk with God. So if we're going to understand what it means to be humble, we should probably get the definition of humility. So uh, the definition of humility is freedom from pride or arrogance or ranking low in a hierarchy or scale. Now, we're familiar with the concept of pride and arrogance, right? I mean, we all understand that, you know, if you've played a good game and someone comes up to you and say, hey, great job, good game, that you say, oh, yeah, you know, I appreciate it. My teammates, they really helped me out. We work together as a unit. We know that you shouldn't say, oh, yeah, I know I was awesome. And I scored 41 points. They wouldn't have won without me. Like, I'm the best ever. Like, we know not to do that. So we're all comfortable and confident with the pride and arrogance part. You know, in the Bible, it clearly says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But it's the other part, it's the low-ranking part that I think we don't spend enough time talking about. Ranking low on a hierarchy or scale, um, you know, when we talk about Jesus, we understand that he understood this concept very clearly. You know, the Bible says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. So, personally, for me, this is the one that's the hardest. You know, I grew up playing sports all my life, and as an athlete, you're constantly trying to strive to be better than your opponent, better than the person that you're competing with. Sometimes it's even better than your teammates because you want to move ahead. You want to increase what you're doing. And so, you know, you're constantly trying to beat out the next person. You're not trying to put yourself below them on a hierarchy. You're trying to put yourself at the very top. Um, and in society, it's the same thing. Our society tells us, hey, you got to climb that ladder of success. you got to keep moving up, moving up, moving up until you're at the top. Well, if you're at the top, then clearly there are people on the ladder below you, and that's where they should be, right? That's what society says. But that's not the biblical concept. That's not what God wants from us. What God wants is he wants us to consider others better than ourselves. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we put ourselves in a position where we consider others better than ourselves? Let's take a look at uh, Titus chapter 3. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 and 2 here. So in Titus 3, it reads, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. And it really says it right there. We need to be considerate, and we need to show true humility. True humility is understanding that the person at the top of that ladder is God, and none of us come even close to that. And so the bottom line is, we're all on the same level, on a scale, below God. 
But what he wants is he wants us to serve others and to show true humility by saying, hey, I'm going to consider you better than me, and I'm going to serve you in that manner. And so I think if we can get that concept, that if we can consider that God is above us, and everybody else is here, but in order to serve the God who's above, I'm going to put myself below that person in front of me so that I can serve them to please God, then I think we'll be in a much better place and we'll, we'll understand the humble concept in the walk humbly with God. So the second part is obviously talking about walking with God. So if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. If you're walking with somebody, you need to be where they are, right? So we should first understand where God is if we're going to walk with him. So go ahead and turn with me to uh, 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 7. Um, so 1 John 1, verse 5 reads, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So, if we're going to walk with God and he's in the light, then clearly we need to be in the light. Um, so the question is, how do we do that? How do we put ourselves in the light in order to walk with God? Uh, turn to John chapter 3, and we'll talk a little bit about this. So, in John chapter 3, starting in verse 19, we're going to read verses 19 through 21. In verse 19, it says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So, I wanted to make it simple. I broke it down into three parts. Um, in order to be with God in the light, we need to, one, stop willfully sinning. If our deeds are dark, if we're sinning intentionally, we're not going to be in the light. And if we're not in the light, then we clearly cannot walk with God. So that's the first and, and, and most important thing. Willfully sinning, doing the things you know you shouldn't do, but doing them anyways. Got to stop doing that. Second thing we need to do is we need to get open about our sin when we do mess up. Because we're not perfect, we're not God, we're not Jesus, we're going to make mistakes. So when we make mistakes, the key is getting open and doing what we can to stay in the dark. Making sure that we confide in somebody, getting it off our chest. I know personally that when I mess up, when I sin and I get open about it, I feel so much better afterwards. Now, I go through this fear and this insecurity about what is this person going to say or do when they, when they hear what I've done and they learn about it. And that's my personal insecurities, but when I share it and I get that comfort from them, well, bro, I understand, here's what you need to do, hey, let's work on this together, let's help each other out, um, I feel so refreshed because I know I'm staying in the light and I'm getting closer and closer to being able to walk with God. And third and finally, we need to fellowship with others who are walking in the light. Again, we're not perfect, we live in a sinful, dark, messed up world, but if we want to stay with God and walk with God and fellowship with him, we need to have others who are going to help us, who are going to hold us accountable, who are going to walk with us and direct us where we want to go. So if we want to walk with God, we've got to be in the light. And in order to be in the light, we've got to stop willfully sinning. We've got to get open about our sin when we mess up. And we've got to fellowship with others who are trying to do the same things, who are also trying to walk in the light so that we can help each other out, so that we can be close and connected to God. Hopefully this helps you guys understand the concept a little bit. Um, again, humility, 
putting others above ourselves on that rung on that ladder and really serving others so that we can serve God and then being in the light so that we can walk with God where he is. So right now we're going to have a few teens share from their perspective about what walking with God means to them. Um, I hope that you guys enjoy the message, enjoy their sharing, uh, because again, our teens are awesome. They're really trying to strive to do the best they can and be the best they can. And so they were excited to bring you their messages and their thoughts. So here are the teens. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Hey, South Bay Church. My name is Ike Martinez, and I am here from the team ministry. And today I'm going to be talking about the what walking humbly with God is to me. Yeah. To me, walking humbly with God is to put aside my pride and, and all my fears and just do what God asked me to do and, and do it not for myself, but to, not, but to honor God and to help others in whatever the situation may be in. It could be anything from like serving, from just like like helping the homeless, giving, or just be simply doing your chores in your house because it just may, it like pleases your parents. So, and today uh, the scripture uh, I'm going to read um, Philippians two, uh, one through four. It reads: Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing sharing in the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. The scripture, like the scripture, it talks about how. A very common thing is like a lot of us have experienced like the love of God, the compassion of God, and just how much He has blessed us. And He, I have certainly seen how much He has blessed my life ever since I became a disciple. And and He, and then but then after He mentions that He goes on and He, and he commands us to go complete like like he, what He said, complete His joy, because it was Jesus's quest to to take all to save us from our sin and just die for us, which is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate representation of humility. He was born a carpenter. He wasn't born this, this great king. He he never he he always served the poor. He always did everything for others. He healed the the people that pe- the people considered or people that are considered untouchable. He washed people's feet, which is considered a slave's job, and just and he brought the level of injustice. Um, and he, and he leveled it because these people were just treated so poorly. Now and he's and he's done and he does similar things now. He's freed us from our sin nowadays, and he's allowed us to live a less strict life, like it was back in the Old Testament. So, in summary, um, walking humbly with God, like it means that we need to do things not like like the Scripture said, not out of selfish ambition, not in like vain, and um, not do things for others with joy and with them in mind and not just because we feel like doing something. This is something I'm a very prideful person. So this is something that I definitely can work on need to work on is just being willing to do things for others instead of just doing things for myself. Thank you. Hi guys. Good morning. I'm Cora and I'm part of the South Bay team ministry today. I'm going to be talking about how humility brings harmony. So I know that it's really hard to be humble. I know personally, um, I think when I was younger, I was, or not even younger, like a year ago, um, I was a lot more shy and 
um, especially like with singing and stuff, I was really hesitant to do it. Um, but I think that I really realized that um, I should be working for God and trying to fulfill His plan and not my own, and that I want to use my talents to encourage other people. Um, it's hard for all of us to be humble, really, um, but when we're not humble, it leads to division and conflict. Uh, humility is what brings us together and allows us to work as one body for Christ. Uh, walking humbly with God gives us harmony with each other. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1-4 As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one calling and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So you can see in verse 2, it says, be patient, humble. So this means like no self-interest. You want to live for others and live for God. This is a challenge. It means that we have to be patient. Um, and then it talks about bearing with one another. This means loving each other even when someone's kind of annoying or irritating you. Um, then you see in verse 3, make every effort to keep unity. This means that we need to be making every effort to keep the church as one. Um, we want to be one body, which is what Paul's example of unity is the human body. All the parts work together in harmony. There's diversity in these different parts. The arm doesn't do what the leg does. The head teaches us what to do or where to go. We all are working to one common goal. So I have another illustration for this. Um, so I got my ukulele here. So if you play a chord, all the strings are different, but together they sound beautiful. But if I change one of the strings here, even just one, it messes up the whole thing. If I change another one, It'll make it even worse. So this shows us that we have to all be working together to one common goal. Even one person who's messing it up will mess up the whole church. And so I think we all need to be looking for them and loving them and walk humbly with God so that we can be one unit in harmony. So in order to work as a unit, we all need to be humble. To me, this is an example of walking humbly with God. Uh, good morning, South Bay Church. My name is Aiden Huerta from the South Bay Teen Ministry, and today I'm going to talk about walking humbly with God. Walking humbly with God means to me just putting your faith into your actions every single day consistently and never losing sight of what that faith can do with your actions. The scripture is James 2, 14-18. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone has claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith with, without deeds and I will show you my faith with, by my deeds. The scripture actually reminds me of a time when I was on a plane to Seattle and we were taking off right then. And I just had a thought come up in my mind, like, what if this plane crashed? Like, that would be the end of it and everything. And I hadn't been baptized yet. And I'm still not baptized, but 
yeah, like that would be the end of everything. And I had not had any deeds yet. I had faith, but I have not put my faith into any of actions that I had. The scripture inspires me to match my faith with my deeds. This means to me that I need to be more considerate for the homeless and just understand what they're going through and how it's so much more different from my life. I also need to work on the weaknesses in my character and uh, build the confidence that I lack. Lastly, I need to uh, go after my own convictions and not be trying to live up to anybody else's standards. In summary, walking humbly with God means to me that I need to match my faith with my deeds, put that into action every single day consistently. Good morning, church. My name is Ethan Hammond. I'm part of the teen ministry here, and I'm very excited to talk to you, with you guys today about walking humbly with God. If you please turn to James 4, verse 4 through 8. It says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealousy longs for the spirit he has cursed to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? This is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, I kind of like that scripture because it talks about a lot of stuff that I struggle with, such as being prideful, and I struggle with that on the daily almost, and it changes my day a lot depending on if I'm brought up or brought down, depending on how prideful I am. And then a little story I had was this year when I played volleyball, I went against a team that I could easily beat. And, well, I was talking smack mostly the entire time before we started playing. But as soon as we got up, I put my hands up to block him. And he hit it right through my hands and smacked down right in the court. I was so humbled and embarrassed by him. Another time, though, I was in class and didn't understand a problem. And I didn't want to ask the teacher because I thought I would feel dumb. But I humbled myself eventually and talked to him about the question. It helped me a lot throughout that entire class. And then a couple of practicals I have for us is first, us teens, when our parents give us advice, we must humbly listen ourselves because they do it out of love and they've probably lived through the experience. And for those who are a little bit older than us, um, you guys, be sure when someone gives you godly advice that you take it. And I've seen a lot of adults have taken that advice and have completely changed their lives. And then in verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Therefore, the choice to be, is ours to be blessed or not. By God, I know it is hard to be humble in all situations. I'm living proof of it, but God promises are true. In summary, um, walking humbly with God really means to me is to be humble and humble yourself, and he will bring you up, and then if you do not, then things will be bad. Hi, my name is Jessica Doty. James 119-22 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, 
and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I love this passage because it is super straightforward. It is a simple, clear direction. The great thing about passages like this is that they're harder to disobey. It's hard to find an excuse for doing the wrong thing when the words are telling you directly not to do it. The first half of this scripture is telling us how to deal with people who disagree with us. The worldly response would be to lash out and get mad, but in an angry argument, two people are trying to teach each other something, but neither are willing to be taught. This ends up only driving people apart instead of back together. Instead of this, God wants us to be more willing to be taught than to teach in an argument. We should try to see the situation from the other person's point of view and make sure we ex express our point of view in love. To do this, we have to get rid of the driving force of an argument, pride. Pride is the source of many sins. We get jealous when people are better than us, we judge when we think we're better than other people, and the list just goes on. In the second part of this passage, God tells us to get rid of all traces of pride in our life so that we can put God's word in its place. It tells us that merely going to church and hearing the good word will not save us. We have to live it out. I don't know about you, but I try to make excuses for not following God's word all the time. I think things like, this doesn't apply to this situation, or the world has changed since back then. But that's just the pride talking. God says clearly in this scripture to do what the word says. It's as simple as that. God wants us to hear the words he has written, accept them, believe them, and then do what they say. It's just as simple as that. Thank you.
the portion in our service where we're going to be uh, taking communion. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to read uh, scripture and share a few thoughts and then Ryan Sujimoto is going to come up and she's going to share about uh, her path to becoming a disciple and what the cross means to her. So if you wouldn't mind, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick up where Ike left off. I'm going to start in verse 5. So Philippians 2 verse 5. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, as we take communion, we really need to think about, again, Jesus uh, being the humble servant that he was. He came down here, humbled himself, became a servant, and then, in obedience to God, he gave himself up on the cross so that we would have an opportunity to have a relationship with God. So, I give you Ryan Sujimoto. She's going to again talk about the cross and what it means to her. Thank you. Hi, South Bay Church. My name is Ryan Sujimoto, and today I'm going to talk about what the cross means to me. It's often that I rely on myself for guidance instead of asking God for help. Before I was baptized, this often, often happened with school. With all the work that teachers put upon me, it was easy for me to get stressed. Even though I tried really hard to not get overwhelmed, it was really hard for me under all the pressure and stress. I'd rely on myself for hope instead of God. I figured that things would get better, and when they didn't, I, I started to study the Bible. I didn't really think that trying to deal with my problems by myself was a big sin. But after learning more about being humble, I realized how trying to manage my problems alone led to pride. I thought I could do it alone, and I obviously couldn't handle the stress. God wants us to rely on Him and not on ourselves. While it's still easy for me to want to depend on myself, God continually states in the Bible to look for Him. Proverbs 3, 5-6 states, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. The part of the scripture that really resonates to me is when he says, Do not lean on your own understanding. Even though I think I know what's best, God wants me to ask for his guidance. He wouldn't have sent Jesus to die if we were perfect and didn't need help. He knows that we'll be faced with challenges. He knows that we'll be faced with difficulties, and he knows that we will struggle. He loves us and knows that we desperately need help. And all we can do, and all we have to do is ask, and through Him we can be saved. Thank you for listening to me. Okay, thank you, Ryan, for that. That was beautiful. Uh, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to go ahead and pray for the bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken on the cross and the juice that represents His blood that was shed for us. So let's go ahead and go to the Father and pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. God, we are grateful to be in your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. God, I pray that uh, as we take communion, that uh, you would help us to be able to reflect 
uh, on our lives. Help us to think about the things that we can do, the things that we can change to honor you, to honor your son and his sacrifice. God, as we take the bread that represents his body, help us to remember uh, the sacrifice and be grateful for the opportunity that we have to have a relationship with you. And as we take the juice that represents his blood, God, I pray that uh, we can appreciate the cleansing that we get as a result of uh, him dying on the cross for us. God, we love you so much. We thank you so much for all that you do. Please continue to be with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 